I'd like to begin by showing you this picture uh, taken in Hamburg, Germany in June of 1936 during the celebration of the launching of a ship. The ship was commissioned by the Nazi party. And as you can see, everyone is giving the Nazi salute, Heil Hitler. But as the photographers were taking it, they see that there is one man who refuses to raise his arm to give the Nazi salute. This man was named August Lanmesser. Now, August had already been in trouble with the authorities, having been sentenced to two years of hard labor for marrying a Jewish woman. And we know little else about August Lanmesser, except that he had two children himself. And no one would have known this man if not by pure chance a German newspaper published this picture in 1991. And it so happened that one of his children recognized her father in this photo. Can you imagine how proud she must have been to recognize that was daddy? That's dad. And he is standing firm. What about you? If you were standing in that Nazi shipyard that day and everyone is raising their hand to salute Hitler... Would you have gone with the crowd or would you have stand firm? And if you actually get a close-up of that shot, he's actually folding his hand in, uh, in disgust. As we talked about last week, in the midst of the crowd yelling, crucify him in 33 AD, would you have been the lone man or woman to say, Hosanna in the highest? Would you have been the one who stands up when the rest of the world falls down. Are you fearless for our Lord? As we've been talking about being fearless, we've been studying the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, we have talked about various principles of how one can stand faithfully for the Lord. But quite honestly, there are times that it is hard to stand alone. We get weak and we get frustrated. It is hard to be the one who stands on principle. It is hard to be the one who stands on conviction. It is hard when the world is attacking you. Well, guess what? Daniel experienced this. And in the chapter we're going to take a look at this morning, God is going to encourage Daniel as only he can. And from Daniel chapter 10 verse 1 to chapter 11 verse 1, We're going to take a look at three principles for how we can overcome the fear factors in our life. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me, please, to the book of Daniel, chapter 10, verse 1, as we go through this chapter and look at chapter 11, verse 1 as well, as we continue our study in the book of Daniel. How can we stand firm for the Lord? How can we overcome our fear factors? Look with me at the historical background of this verse in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In this very final vision that God gives Daniel... It is now the third year of the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, that takes it about 586 B.C. Daniel would have well been beyond his 80s. At this time, the exiles 
The Jewish exiles in Babylon had been allowed to return home by the Persian kings. And so some of the exiles were returning home and they'd begun to rebuild the temple. Now you may ask, how come Daniel did not go back? Perhaps it was because of his great age. He had served in the courts of the Persian king until the first year of Cyrus, which was simply two years ago. Israel's captivity had ended. Jerusalem was now being preoccupied or reoccupied and the nation seemed to be at peace. But here in this last vision that God gives Daniel, it was a sad message. The revelation and the vision given to Daniel on this occasion would shatter any hopes that the prophet might have had that Israel would enjoy her new freedom and peace for long. In fact, God would reveal to the nation that he would be involved in a lot of conflicts. And we're going to study this actual vision in more detail next week. Look at verse 2 and verse 3. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, nor wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all until three whole weeks were fulfilled. This revelation came as, as Daniel was fasting and he was praying for three weeks. You see, those who had returned back to the homeland were experiencing great persecution. They were experiencing great troubles. As we find out in the book of Ezra chapter 4 and Nehemiah, these people were undergoing great difficulties and, and, and Daniel was praying for them. He was fasting. Can you imagine his love for these people? He was praying for God's mercy and grace into their life. During this time of mourning, Daniel was apparently waiting on God in prayer. And you can just sense from these verses that Daniel was tired. Daniel was frustrated. And so God would encourage him as only God can. Look at verse 4 to verse 7. Now on the 24th day of the first month as I was by the side of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with the gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire, his arm and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Perhaps in his grief, Daniel wanted a change of scenery, and so he gathered a few of the faithful, and he went down to the river uh, shore of the Tigris and, and there he would pray for the exiles for those who were heading back home and experiencing the great burdens that came along with it it was there that God sent a heavenly messenger, an angel to appear and encourage Daniel but only Daniel saw this angel uh, his other friends simply felt there was an angelic presence and, and they were terrified and they fled away and so Daniel was all by himself. Look at verse 8. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision. And no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me. And I retained no strength. You can just sense an utter exhaustion in his mind. Perhaps with the appearance of the angel, Daniel thought, Another vision? I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I can handle any more tough news for my people. I've been so faithful to God. 
I've walked as a man of God through two empires. I've stood firm. But now I'm just tired. And you can't blame him. He's well over 80 years old. For a man who has for 60 plus years stood so faithfully and boldly and fearlessly as a man of God. He just felt tired. And now God is going to encourage him. Look at verse 9. And I heard the sound of his voice. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face and with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And I love this verse 11. And he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I've been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Daniel, in the pits of his despair, God sends him this angel. And this angel touches him as if to encourage him, as if one would pat someone else on his shoulder and put their arms around him. And he said these marvelous words, Oh, Daniel, man who is greatly beloved. The angel describes Daniel as a man who is highly esteemed. Now, we know that Daniel enjoyed a good reputation amongst his contemporaries. Kings loved him. The royalty loved having him in their presence because of his wisdom and perhaps just his stability. But to know what God thinks of you and to know that he thinks of you as someone who is greatly beloved. In fact, the Hebrew words, ish, hemudot, literally means a man of preciousness. Oh, Daniel, a man who is precious to me, a man who is precious in my sight. Can you imagine the encouragement That Daniel must have had when he heard that is how God views him. Sometimes when you get much older in your 80s, in your 80s, you may wonder, am I still relevant? Do I still have a role to play in God's kingdom? And here, God gives these wonderful, encouraging words. Daniel, you are still precious in my sight. And I have sent this angel to you. And so he says in verse 12, And he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. Daniel was tired, he he was trembling, he was fearful. And then those words from the angel, do not fear. Why? Do not fear because you have set your heart to understand and therein lies the first principle the first secret the first point of how one can overcome their fear having hearts that are set to understanding the things of God hearts that understand the things of God hearts that are set to understand the things of God the angel says to Daniel Daniel we know that from your early days you have sought to understand the things of God You know, in Daniel's prayer, Daniel never demands anything. Daniel never says, God, you must do this and do that. We can infer from God's realization and and, and through this angel's message that Daniel's prayer has been about understanding. God, I want to know you more. I want to understand what you have planned. I want to understand what you're doing. 
And the first step to overcoming the fear problem is having hearts that understand the things of God. You see, Daniel was a lifelong learner. A lifelong learner. He never became so overconfident in his own wisdom that he says, God, I don't need to consult you anymore. I think I know what you're doing. But he was a lifelong learner. He sought to understand the things of God. That's why he was able to stand so fearless because he knew a lot about his God. A lot of us do not take time to know about our faith. Yes, we know the gospel truth. We know the gospel message. Jesus Christ died in my place. If I place my trust in him, I'm going to heaven. But there is so much more. How many of us take time to learn about our faith? Do you take the opportunity to learn about your faith and what you believe? You know, if I talk to a young people, a young person, and I, especially a young boy, and I ask them, hey, who won last year's NBA championship? They can tell me. They could probably tell me who won the last 10 championships in the NBA. I have young men who, who tell me, and they can quote the stats of Kobe for the past seven games. I can ask a businessman, and they can know to the decimal point how much money they have in their 10 accounts. I can ask a young girl, and she can recite for me word perfect all of Katy Perry's songs. And yet when I ask them, hey, do you know any Bible verses that speak of God's love for you? John 3.16? That's about it. We all know John 3.16. But what else do you know about the Word of God? What else do you know about your God? You see, overcoming the fear factor is when you have set your heart to understand. A lot of us are fearful and afraid because you don't know about much about your faith. If someone were to question you, why do you believe what you believe? You say, I, I don't know. And that's why you're so fearful and you're not willing to step out and say, this is what is correct. Just like if you're a salesman. If you're going to market something, if you're going to sell something, you're going to know everything about that product. You're going to make sure you know that the product specs inside and outside because when you go before your customer and you're going to try to sell them this part or this machine or this product, you better make sure that you know your product well. Because if they ask a question that you cannot under, uh, answer back, then you've got to be afraid because you're going to lose that sales. In the same manner, that's how well you need to know your faith or at least be in the process of growing in your faith that you will not be able to shrink away when they ask those questions. So what do you know about your faith? Daniel knew about his God. He had a heart that was set to understand the things of God. What do you know about yours? We cry out in fear because of a lack of knowledge. This is a true but tragic story. There was a woman who was once walking along a riverbank with her child. Suddenly, the, the child slipped into the river the mother screamed in terror because she couldn't swim. And besides, she was in the later stages of pregnancy. Finally, somebody heard her screaming and rushed down to the riverbank. But the other tragedy was when they stepped into those murky waters to receive that, the now dead child, they found that the water was only waist deep. The mother could have easily saved her child, but didn't because of a lack of knowledge. You are able to stand firm when you set your heart to understand the things of God. The second principle is also found in verse 12. And the angel said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, number two, and to humble yourself before your God, 
Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. The second principle, the second secret to overcoming the fears of your life is to have a humbled heart. I know that sounds counterintuitive because we think of standing fearless, equating that with confidence. And so we work on techniques to be confident, or at least to appear confident. And the problem is, if we are so confident in our own power and we step forward and someone takes us down, whether verbally or through an argument, we're going to feel about this big. If we stand boldly and with great confidence by our own power and the evil one just flicks us down and pushes us down, guess what? We'll never stand for the Lord again because we're going to be terrified that we're going to be pushed down again. The great principle and the great secret is to overcome fear, you must cultivate a heart that is humble. A heart that is humble. A heart that says, God, I realize my inadequacies. I realize my helplessness. Would you help me? It is only with a humble spirit that you can conquer the fears of this life. When we read the book of Daniel, it seems that Daniel was a man who was, who was so strong. But here in the revelation of this angel, we, we see into his heart. From that first day, from the moment you decided to live your life for the Lord, you remained humble. Here was a man who rose to be the prime minister of one of the greatest empires in the world. And yet the Bible calls him a man who was humble. The secret of his fearlessness was that he acknowledged his inadequacies. He realized, God, I, I need your strength. I need your help. You see, there's a lot of fears in our life. We fear rejection. We fear being inadequate. We fear not being able to respond when questions are asked. We, we, we're just fearful in general. We fear everything. And if we go out with great confidence in our own ability, and the fear knocks us down, we're not going to have any confidence in ourselves. But if you go and face that fear with the humility of spirit, and when someone answers you back or rejects you, guess what? It won't hurt that much. Why? Because you realize your inadequacy in the first place. Perhaps this will clarify this point. There was a preacher who gave this great illustration. He says, a wise bird knows that a scarecrow is simply an advertisement. Now think about that. You know what a scarecrow is? A scarecrow is to chase away the birds. But if you ever drive through a field with a scarecrow, what do you see? You see birds that are perched on the scarecrow. They're not very scared. A wise bird knows that a scarecrow is simply an advertisement. It announces that there is some very juicy and delicious fruit in this field for the picking. There are scarecrows in all the best gardens. If I were a wise bird and if I were wise, I too shall treat the scarecrow as though it was an invitation. And here's the application. Every giant in the way which makes me feel like a grasshopper is only a scarecrow beckoning me to God's richest blessing. And he concludes, Faith is a bird which loves to perch on scarecrows because it shows that all of our fears are groundless. You see, the evil one puts a lot of fears in our life. And a lot of it is us imposing it upon ourselves. We think of the worst case scenarios and, and we're frozen in a fear 
And the evil one claps his hands because he's got us. We are terrified in fear. We're fearful a lot of things. But you see, the, the, the problem is, if you never overcome the fear, you will never experience the blessing that overcoming that fear prevents you from doing. My wife is not in the service, so I'm going to share this story in this service that I have not shared in the other stories. My wife uh, is learning how to drive. I never ride with her because I fear for my life. But uh, after seven years of living in the Philippines or in Manila, she drove in the U.S., she decided to learn to drive. And she was afraid. And what if I hit a car? What if I hit a jeepney? What if there's no parking space? I need my parking spaces easy in, easy out. You know that. Uh, you know how parking is a problem here as well. And I said, honey, you've got to learn to drive. What if there are emergencies and I'm not around? You've got to learn to drive. But she was fearful. But you see, as she slowly becomes to overcome her fear, she is experiencing the blessing of being able to go to the mall without having to ask me to drive her there. She's able to go and have her hair done without relying on me. She's able to go and experience all of the blessings that before the fear had prevented her from doing. Now I realize that's a pedantic example. But that's the great truth. You, you see, the scarecrows are there, and if we're really scared of them, we never get to eat the best of the fruits. But the reality is, when we can overcome these fear with a humbled heart, relying upon God, we can perch on those scarecrows of life and say, you know what? I'm experiencing God's blessings. Sharing one's faith is a hard thing to do. We go through about a hundred reasons why we don't share our faith. What if they reject us? What if they fire us? This and that and this and that. And the reality is when you take that leap of faith, when you step out by faith, fearless, you know what you realize? It's not that bad. So what if they reject me? Most of them are still my friends. Now some, you may say, well, they reject me and they stop being my friend. And my answer to you is, you know what? If they don't respect you for your faith and they don't want to be a friend because of what you believe, then you know what? They don't need to be your friends. But the reality is, when we allow fear to grip our life and we live in fear, then we do not experience God's greatest blessings. And for those evangelists in their workplace who, who with great ease share their faith, you ask them. They were once fearful, but the more they did it, they realized, you know what? Nothing bad happens to me. Cultivate in your life a heart that is humble, but a heart that is willing with that humility to take that next step, to put yourself in the forefront of the firing line, to put yourself out there instead of guarding your face and put your reputation at risk for the Lord. That is what is entailed in a humbled heart, and you will experience the blessing of God. Now look at verse 13 to verse 15. 
But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. Here, the angel refers to an incident that Daniel has no idea what is happening. He says to Daniel, Daniel, I am bringing you a message. I'm about to bring you a message. But for 21 days, the prince of Persia, that's not a movie, that's not a video game. The prince of Persia is a demon who is influencing the kingdom of Persia. And this demons, and with his minions, the demons of, of Persia, opposed me. There was a cosmic battle that you are unaware of, Daniel. It was not until the archangel Michael comes and we are able to overpower and I'm able to bring this message to you. Clearly, Daniel doesn't have an eye clue what's happening in this cosmic realm. And, and perhaps when he is exposed to this great truth, he suddenly realizes, you know, I am just so small in God's big plan. Who am I? And he feels even more depressed. And he feels even more small. Verse 16. And suddenly one, having the likeness of the Son of Man, touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrow has overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remained in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Loose translation of that. Angel, I'm 80 years old. What do you want me to do? I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of a cosmic battle. That, that the archangel had to come. Who am I that you want to give me this great vision and, and, and put on me the great responsibility to handle this? My strength has left me. I'm no longer able to go on. And look at the loving response in verse 18 and 19. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said these wonderful words in verse 19. O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. The third time, the angel finally was able to get Daniel out of his funk. It took this great man of God three times of God's angelic encouragement to be strengthened. So, so take heart. If you're struggling with the process of standing fearless for the Lord, remember it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. The angel encouraged him. He said, Daniel, fear not. Be at peace, take courage, be strong, be strong. And the implication is be strong because God is with you. You are greatly beloved, you are precious in His sight, be strong. When I read that, I was reminded of the words of our Lord to His people and to His servant Joshua. Do you remember on two occasions he, he challenged his people Israel as they were about to enter the promised land to be strong? They were about to enter into a time of unknown. They were fearful and God would give them a pep rally. 
You want to take a look at how God motivates his people? Put your finger in Daniel chapter 10. Would you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 9? Deuteronomy chapter 9 verses 1 to 3. God's pep talk to people who were fearful. Now, if you're giving a pep talk to someone, whether it's a basketball team or whatnot, you say, you can do it. You're strong. You can defeat them. That's a pep talk. You want to see God's pep talk? Look at verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 9. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today. Great start. We're going to go through this together. You're about to enter an unknown land. We're going to do this together. And you're going into deposed nations, greater, greater and mightier than yourself. Huh? God, hang on there. You're giving me a pep talk. You're giving... These, these millions of Israelites, a pep talk, and you're telling me I'm going to depose nations who are stronger than me? You, you don't ever have a basketball coach tell the basketball team, guys, we're about to go into the field of battle, and that team is better than yours. No coach in the right mind would say something like that. Look at God as he goes on in this pep talk. Cities greater and fortified up to heaven. H- hang on there, God. Israelites, you're about to go in, and, and those cities are impregnable. They have huge fortresses. God, is this a pep talk? Or are you trying to discourage us from going in? Look at verse 2. The people you will meet there, people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakins, the giants of the land, whom you know, and of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak. Oh, by the way, Israelites, you can do it because you're about to face giants in the land. And these giants have a reputation of never having been conquered. Who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Now, if I'm hearing God's pep rally talk, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, thanks, God. I don't think I'm going in. I think I'm heading back home to Egypt. What kind of pep talk is that? Well, he continues. Look at verse 3. Therefore, understand today that I, the Lord your God, is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Ah, there it is. Israel, do not be afraid, because I, the Lord your God, will go before you, and I will consume them with fire. I'm going to pave the trail for you. Be strong, because the Lord your God goes before you. Now jump to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Many years later, as Joshua is going to bring the people into the promised land, he would succeed the great leader Moses. He'd always been number two, and now he's number one. And he was fearful because of the unknown. You know those words in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, God doesn't only go ahead of us. He goes with us wherever we go. You see, the third principle of how to overcome fear is to have hearts that realize and understand that our God goes before us and is with us. Hearts that realize that God goes before us and is with us. 
It's very easy for God to give instructions to His people. But it's another thing when He stands right next to us and say, let's do this together. And that was the very encouragement He gave to Daniel. Daniel, be strong. I'm with you. Four times in the Scriptures, and we love that verse, where God says very clearly, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There was a child who would walk each evening past a dark and spooky house. And you know, children, their imaginations run wild. So some adults sought to give this child some courage. And one adult, well, intention said, child, here's a good luck charm. It will ward off your ghost. The adult didn't believe that, but just at least it would allay his fears. Here's a good luck charm. Another adult said, child, I'm going to put a light at that dark corner so that you'll have more light. Still another said earnestly, trust God, child, be brave. Now the advice was good, but he offered nothing more. But as the child walked home past the dark and spooky house, he was still afraid. Finally, an adult with great compassion said, child, I know what it is to be afraid. How about this? Let me walk with you every day past that dark and spooky house. Then and only then was the child's fear allayed. You see, there are a lot of techniques to allay fear. But it is not in the techniques that covers up the fear. It is dealing with that fear head on. And dealing with that fear head on requires that someone comes alongside of us because sometimes our fears are, 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 are real. And no one who says, don't fear, simply doesn't understand. But when our God says He never leaves us nor forsakes us, He walks alongside with us. What encouragement. Be strong. In fact, in verse 20 to 21, we get a glimpse of this. Then the angel said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. The angel said, Daniel, I got to go. I got to continue the cosmic battle between the good angels and the demonic realm. I've gone out ahead of you. God has sent me to clear the path for you. Not only that, I will fight the princes of Persia, but I will fight the prince of Greece. I will also battle the demons who are in control of the Grecian Empire. The Grecian Empire would not come for many years to come. It was God showing forth to Daniel that great truth, I go ahead of you and I am in preparation. Note in verse 21, And I will tell you what is noted in the scriptures of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, note this, your prince. This angel revealed something to Daniel. He revealed that the archangel Michael, the most powerful angel in God's angelic army, the head of the angelic realm, has been assigned to protect Daniel and his people. Can you imagine that? Daniel, do not be afraid. The very archangel Michael has been sent by God to protect you and your people. Your prince has been sent by God. God comes alongside of us and he says, you don't walk this journey by yourself. You may not see it, but you don't walk this journey by yourself. I walk with you. Chapter 11, verse 1. 
And also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. God's angels had been in work for a long time. You see, to understand and set in your heart the understanding and living it out that God goes before you and is with us always is that which will dispel our fear. There are a lot of techniques. Techniques only cover up. They do not deal with the issue of fear. I've shared this before with you about my life in the past. A lot of you still don't believe it, but it's true. Every time I stand in the pulpit, every Sunday, every occasion, whether it's speaking to ten or a thousand, I am fearful. The only reason my voice is not quivering and my hands are shaking is because I've learned the techniques of public speaking to mask the quivering in my voice and the shaking of my hands. You can ask those who knew me when I was young. I would often hide behind my mother's skirt. Yes, it's hard to believe I was once very shy. But you see, that's the reality. And it is hard. And it was, it's been a process for me. Because I understand and I realize the enormity of the responsibility that is placed on one who must stand on this pulpit and share the word of God. Those who know would stand fearful. And my staff knows. An hour before any service, I go into my sermon mode. I close my door in my office and, and I'm reviewing these notes that I've been reviewing all week. I review these notes and, and these passages 10 or 20 times because I just don't want to mess it up. But that fear is good for me. Because that fear reminds me that I'm to keep a humble heart. Because to stand up here and to share the Word of God is standing very publicly for the arrows to be thrown. And there are times when I, even as a young pastor, am fearful of the things that I say because it may offend someone. I'm fearful of the things that I say because someone may not understand or misunderstand or take things out of context. That the words that I'm saying are being recorded, putting on the World Wide Web. That is great fear. You better make sure that what you say is accurate and truthful. And yet I know that I make mistakes. And yet I know that I speak out of turn. But then I realize this great truth. The very truth that the angel shared to Daniel as well. And I hope that you will understand and live it out. That the God who helps us is the God who goes before us. And the God who stands next to us. And so even when I preach, praise God, I, I think about this. I, I begin to pray for all of you long before Sunday happens. I'm praying that the Spirit would work in your life and, 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 and begin to, to fill you and, and give you hearts that are mendable. I pray before each service that God would, would fill this place and He would go and, and do the, 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 the work prior to the sharing of His Word. And then I realize that He is standing with me because these are His words. And we preach His words. And when one is faithful to His Word, then He is pleased. You see, one overcomes fear when they deal with the root issue of fear, not to cover up with the techniques that are out there by the world. We all fear. We all fear many things. And sometimes ridiculous, sometimes not so ridiculous, but we fear. That is how life is. Our life is filled with fear. 
But the God of the universe who created us says to us, Do not fear. Be strong. For I have gone ahead of you to clear the path. And I am with you, never to leave you nor forsake you. And so, my friends, the great truth is that we do not walk along in this journey. We do not walk alone. There is always the Savior who walks and journeys with us. I show you this picture again as we close because some of us think that when we stand fearless for God, only good things happen. But the reality is we are called to stand fearless for Him. But when we do that, be ready. Be ready to experience the attack. What happened to August? What happened to him? Well, we don't know much, but in February of 1944, he was drafted into the PL unit of the 999th Fort Infantry Battalion as a German citizen. Basically, he was put in military jail, done and made to work hard labor. And soon, he was declared missing in action. But all those who knew, knew that he was killed. All for not having raised his hand to salute the Fuhrer. It's not easy to stand fearless for him. There are times we will feel very tired. There are times you may tire of hearing me challenge you to stand fearless. Not again, Pastor, you say. You don't know my situation. But you see, the results of standing fearless will never be seen in this life. The results and the blessings that we speak of of one who stands fearless is not fully realized in this life. So you ask, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? And the song of response, which we're going to sing a little bit later, tells us, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a look into the life of Daniel, appearing into his heart, a man who sought to understand the things of God, a man who was humble, but yet a man who also experienced times of grief, feeling very alone, carrying the weight and the burden of being your messenger. But how wonderful, Lord, you never leave nor forsake your people. You encourage us in your own special way. And those this morning here who have fear in their life, would you encourage them knowing the God who saved them is the God who goes ahead of them as a consuming fire to pave the trail and clear the path. And the God who lives right in our very heart, never to leave us nor forsake us. Help us to cultivate lives that seek to understand the things of God. Help us to cultivate hearts that are humbled. Help us to cultivate hearts that understand that God goes before and is with us always. And may it be, Lord, for those who are wondering, what benefits do I get for standing fearless? Help them to realize it is not in the world that they will fully realize it, although you call us precious, greatly beloved. It will be worth it all 
one day, Lord, when we see you face to face. Bless our congregation this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.